once you've gotten married, just like, unfortunately, so many other things just get taken for granted and you just go on day by day, I think that we do the same thing with our finances. And as we've already said a couple of times, it's a hard topic to discuss. And so it just doesn't get discussed. Mm -hmm. So that's that would be my best take on it. This week, can money talk improve your marriage? Talking about money is a difficult conversation to have, but if you can engage, you might be surprised by the results. Dr. Karen Sherman weighs in. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, pitchmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Hello. Uh, So uh, for those tuning in for the first time, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And you can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Today, Karen, we are going to talk about money um, and how talking about money might actually improve your marriage, uh, which is great news. (laughs) Yep. So... There was a new study that came out, and it ta- and it shows that talking with your spouse or partner about money increases relationship satisfaction. Um, but many people still don't do that. And so my first opening uh, question to you is, why do you think that uh, talking about money increases increases relationship satisfaction? Well, because I think that, it's a difficult conversation to have, and we'll be discussing that, you know, as we move on. But it's a difficult conversation to have. Um, money has all sorts of emotional issues tied to it. So if you can actually have a discussion about it and talk about what money means to you, um, you know, perhaps what insecurities you have about it, what needs you have, what fears you have. What you're basically doing is having a very intimate discussion. And the more that couples are willing to be open about who they are and express their vulnerabilities and share with each other you know, what their fears are, what their needs are, what their dreams are, things like that, that is going to bring them closer together. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that couples who do have those conversations would, in fact, um, have a more satisfying uh, relationship. Okay. I mean, just to lean on that just a little bit more. So does talking about it help make it more of a reality? Like when you're talking about your goals and dreams and taking a vacation and buying a house or whatever, 
does talking about it make that more likely to happen? Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, but you can't even move on something if you don't have a discussion about what you would like. Um, and maybe um, you have a dream, and once you have this discussion um, and you look at the reality of what your particular financial situation is and um, you know what some other factors are, you might end up altering your goals a little bit, but then be able to get some of your goals met or some something closer to what your wishes and dreams are. But again, none of that can happen if you're not talking about it at all. Right. I'm also thinking about expectations too, because so many times expectations might get crushed because mm-hmm. the couple doesn't recognize the reality of their financial situation, or, or perhaps one of them does and one of them doesn't, mm-hmm. and so therefore you're you're making assumptions on two different uh, levels of information. So that could yeah. cause a lot of trouble as well. Yes. Um, okay. So amazingly, a recent study that appeared in the Journal of Financial Therapy showed that married people have the fewest number of conversations about money out of any type of couple, including those who are cohabitating, dating, or even separated. Why do you think married couples don't discuss it? Well, again, I think it's a very hard subject. I think there could even possibly be certain um, money behaviors going on that one of them or both of them are hesitant to share with each other. Um, whereas when you are dating, um, if you are truly being open about your future and really looking into whether this potential um, person for your for your life commitment is somebody you want to be involved with, one of the topics that's going to come up is about how they uh, see money, what their values are around money, what their needs are, etc. Um, the same for people who are separated, um, because a lot of times um, money becomes a major issue for them about how they are going to handle the finances between them um, during this period of separation or divorce, especially if there are children involved. And even a cohabitating couple, a lot of times it's a much more um, practical kind of arrangement. And so from that practicality, they need to look at um, what the actual realities of the financial situation is. But once you've gotten married, just like, unfortunately, so many other things just get taken for granted and you just go on day by day, I think that we do the same thing with our finances. And as we've already said a couple of times, it's a hard topic to discuss. And so it just doesn't get discussed. Mm-hmm. So that's that would be my best take on it. Yeah. it's. I said it's amazing and surprising. But the more you think about it, I feel like it's an obvious outcome because mm-hmm. to, to, to all the things that you just said, that if you're cohabitating, um, you're probably potentially sharing, you know, rent or mortgage, right? Right, right. And therefore, you have to have that conversation. And if you're separated, you have to have that conversation, particularly right. if kids are involved. Like, you you just have to. Um, yeah. And and. 
dating too. It's like, you know, who's paying? Is it, am I paying for you? Is so there's all these things that, and that are part of the process of those relationships. Right. And then the married relationship, there's this level of stability of like, that's the easiness of a marriage. You don't have to have yes. this conversation all the time, but because you don't have to have the conversation all the time, you don't have it at all, which is then where you mm-hmm. get into the trouble. Yes. Yes. I know I just repeated basically everything you said, but I wanted to. That's re- okay. <laughs> you, you said it in different words. And sometimes yes. when things are said in different words, they're heard differently. So thank you for, for doing that. My pleasure. And that's, you know, partly that's my intention. So, um, okay. So then. Uh, you have said repeatedly on this uh, podcast that money isn't about money. And I think you started with that at the top of this one as well. Right. Can you reiterate what that means and be a little specific about it? Sure. Money is symbolic. There are lots of emotional issues behind money. So for some people, um, I don't spend money um, not because really I'm a cheapskate, but because I'm insecure. Um, there might be some people who spend a lot of money just because not they are, you know, extravagant, but because it's a way of being liked and they want to, you know, uh, be gifting people all the time. Um, some people uh, want to do the books, be the one that does the books in the relationship, um, because that's their way of feeling a sense of control. And then the p- other partner may feel like, well, you know, you're controlling me, and I need to have a sense of what's going on also. So there's a lot of different emotional issues about money. So you look at the behavior, and you could get very resentful or very upset about what the behavior is, but the behavior generally represents some underlying emotional need or issue. And so if you have a discussion about what the meaning of the money is for you, that is going to really take you much further into understanding each other and um, responding to the need. um, And therefore, you know, as I said, from the first question, being closer with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was also thinking too, that when you have an understanding of what the money means to you, um, Mm -hmm. it also frames how the money gets used when you have it. So, Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? So like if for you, it's about, um, I want to live up life with all the experiences I possibly can when you mm-hmm. have a little extra money, then it's like, oh, let's look into vacation right. or travel or whatever. Or mm-hmm. it, if for you money means security and stability, it's like, oh, we have this extra money. Let's throw it into our savings account so we have a Correct. little cushion. And Correct. it helps. Yeah. So I just wanted to put that out there so that it, by, have, by having this understanding, it helps clarify what you do with that money to help prevent fights so that if you know that it means stability for your spouse and then you go out and you buy something, um, you have to recognize that that's going to have an impact on and, and weaken that stability that they were planning on or hoping for. Yes, yes, exactly. That's why I said you look at the behavior and you could become very resentful. But if you understand what the meaning behind it is, then you won't get as resentful. And if the two of you can 
um, especially if you have different styles or different needs, different backgrounds in regard to money, um, if you can be open with each other and understand each other, then number one, there there won't, as you said, won't lead to fights, but there won't be such uh, negative feelings between one another. And you can perhaps come to some kind of movement with the money that will be um, more consistent with both people's needs. Mm -hmm. So let's say using your example, okay, so you really feel you want to live up life. Um, okay, I understand that. So we'll take a vacation, but maybe we'll take a vacation that costs, uh, $15,000 as opposed to one that costs, you know, $40,000 and we'll take some of the money and we'll bank it so that that way I feel my need for some sense of security is being heard as well. Right. Right. Uh, one thing, uh, that I wanted to just add before we move on is when we're talking about all this stuff about how people want to use money and what it means, there's no right or wrong answer to this. The, you know, oh, of course. If somebody want, you know, if it means stability for one person, that doesn't mean that that's the right uh, answer to these questions. So I just wanted to oh, absolutely. point that out. I, uh, thank you for bringing that out. Yeah. Um, and what's right for one couple may not be right for another couple. You know, even when couples, so I'm going to give you my add in at the, that you okay. always ask at the end. Right. I'm going to give it now. Even when couples in the beginning are setting up the way they want to do their finances, in other words, who's going to pay the bills? How are they going to pay the bills? Are they going to combine their incomes together? Are they going to have a joint checking account? You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There isn't any one way. The best way is whatever works for the two of you. Mm. But again, so as to your point, there is not one right answer. The best answer is the one that is the result of understanding how each of you feels and then coming up with something that is responsive to each person. Right. Thereby, that's why I was saying take a $15,000 vacation as opposed to a $50,000 vacation. Right. And I would love to vacation with you, by the way. <laughs> um, and I want to also just add to that. It's such a great point. And I want to add that there's fluidity to all of this. So you brought up oh, at the beginning sure. of the relationship, you might have particular arrangements and circumstances. Again, we're talking about married couples. So hopefully you you are able to celebrate a 50th anniversary. And just like mm -hmm. a business, businesses pivot their business model if they last long enough. Most business, like people don't recognize this, but most of the biggest companies in the world, they don't last 100 years. But mm -hmm. the, the ones that do, uh, they change their business model. I mean, looking at Apple, for example, they started off with computers then they went to smartphones and now they're moving into services. Like these are completely mm -hmm. different things. Like the, the Apple computer of the 1970s and early eighties is radically different than it is today. Um, mm -hmm. Like they make the least amount of their money on their computers, which is, you know, which is why, mm -hmm. by the way, they dropped the, the computer. It used to be their official name was Apple computer. Now it's just Apple. So mm. in using that, like mindset when it comes to couples, I know just my wife and I, like who has been more of the breadwinner has changed throughout our relationship. Mm -hmm. And with that has also changed other responsibilities that each of us has tackled. 
and our goals continue to evolve as we achieve certain goals. So again, there's and, fluidity yes, and, to all these going, answers. Yeah. And as uh, going with what you're saying in the course of a couple's life, um, there are going to be different, um, phases. So for instance, if a couple has a child, they're, Expenses are going to change. Right. That would be a good time to have another money discussion. Right. If the kids are going to, you know, go off to college or if you're, you know, another major piece would be when you're going to face retirement. So, again, you it shouldn't be that you have one money conversation and you're done. Um, one and done. It really should be, as you're suggesting, the fluidity that as things change um, in the landscape of your marriage, the conversation around money should be revisited as well. Mm-hmm. And and this gets back to the original point of this entire podcast about the importance and the satisfaction of marriage happening when you have these money discussions. So yes, yes. Um, uh, so I we're now we're going to take a little bit of a, a bummer turn. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of couples are having money troubles right now. We are mm-hmm. dealing with the pandemic. We are dealing with a, a stock market crash. We are dealing with uh, unprecedented record setting numbers of, of layoffs and unemployment. Um, and so there are a lot of emotions that are happening around money because people just don't have it. Their, their jobs have stopped and we've had, um, stimulus package passed and I'm not sure when this is going to air, but you know, there might be another one by the time this airs. So there are a lot of sober conversations that need to be had. Can Do you have any advice on how couples can have those conversations right now when things are tough? The advice I'm going to give here is the same that I would give in general for dealing with this situation. The first piece is to accept what the situation is, not to deny it, to accept it, um, and to move from there. I think that if we try to put our heads in the sand and say that it's not going on, it's not going to serve us. I think the second part is to acknowledge our feelings that are coming up. Uh, Very frankly, yesterday, and it's not important why, but I, I was having a rough day yesterday, but I knew that it was okay to have a rough day. So I let myself have the rough day and I also knew it would be fine. And today I am fine. So I think that the next part of acceptance about the situation in general and about the money troubles is to say, it's okay to be scared or anxious or, you know, um, uncertain. And then after you do that, then I think you can have a conversation about, okay, you know, what can we do? Where can we cut corners? Uh, where can we, you know, um, try to uh, make certain substitutions or make certain changes or whatever so that we can move ahead during this period? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is excellent advice. One of the other things that I just wanted to add is avoid blame. Oh, because absolutely. I think when you get into this topic specifically and things are tough, uh, it's very common. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm sure my wife and I have done this in the past too, 
where it's like, well, you spend money on this. And then they turn mm-hmm. around and say, well, you spend money on this. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you, mm-hmm. st- you know, stop yeah. your membership to this thing? Well, okay, then you need to. So, yeah, uh, that's not going to be very productive if you start blaming. Absolutely. Each other. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for raising that, Steve. Um, okay. And then the last question I have for you is money can be totally occupying as a couple because everything you do can turn into what you can afford and what you can't afford, particularly when things are tough. Do you Mm -hmm. have any advice on how to create positive conversations when it becomes this all consuming cloud that hangs over over you because everything's kind of dependent on it? Well, I think it's a matter, a lot of it may be in the language and say, okay, so um, what are the things that we can do to um, cut some corners? What are the things that, you know, where are the areas where we can save? Uh, Where are the areas where we can um, uh, be more cognizant of, um, you know, uh, being more careful. For instance, um, you know, I realized, here's a great thing. I realized as I walked around the house today that we could be more mindful of shutting our lights, Mm -hmm. uh, when we leave a room. Um, and though it may seem kind of silly, if we, if we all do that, uh, or we shut off the TV when we're not in the room or whatever, it's a good way for us to start cutting down on our electricity bill a little bit. So I think it's a lot, again, in the language of it and in the presentation, as you said a moment ago, not blaming each other, but talking about ways we can be helping each other um, and looking into, okay, I thought of another great way. You know, it could even be a family project where you could sit down and say, okay, we're going to play a game. Let's think of all the ways that we can manage to, you know, save a little bit of money or make things a little bit um, easier for each other right now or, you know, whatever. You know, one of the things that I was aware of, I have a friend who does laundry constantly (laughs) and, I can't imagine that she's doing laundry constantly right now. Where is she going? What is she doing? You know, she she can't be dirtying her clothes as much mm-hmm. as she normally does. So she's saving money on doing washes. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not going out to restaurants right now. Uh, there are no restaurants to go out to. So that's a way to save money. So I think, again, if we can try to find the upside of this, um, that that will help us just staying in, in general positive. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking about uh, like the unintended result and and some of the financial pinch that uh, that people find themselves in. So, for example, you, you use the laundry example. I just had a conversation with a friend who talked about how much less gas he's using because he's not yes. driving all around. And the unintended consequence of that is like what a benefit that is to the environment. Um, yeah. And you can, and you, you brought up the example of turning off the lights again, think about not just how it saves you money, but also how it saves power usage and Mm -hmm. how that power is being generated. Um, and again, the impact of that. And so we could, part of this is you have these, um, 
unintended sustainability results as, uh, as you start to get more creative with uh, a less budget to deal with. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was also thinking about like my habits too. I typically go grocery shopping every week and Mm -hmm. I like to buy fresh stuff at the beginning of the week and it, you know, lasts me to the weekend and then I, you know, rinse, repeat. Right. But, Mm uh, as we've been under quarantine, I have had to think about, okay, I need to plan a couple weeks out so that I don't go shopping again for the 14 plus Mm -hmm. period. And so it's like, okay, now I have to get a little more creative about my meals um, Mm -hmm. and how I can cook a meal that will, uh, that I can eat multiple days in a row or, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple times a week, as opposed to, a meal that's <laughs> you cook it and then you have to cook something else the next day and cook something else the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to rethink, um, that sort of thing, but it's also, uh, cooking in bulk that way has become a little bit of a cost savings as well. So, right. Right. All these things kind of add up and you start thinking about the ways that, uh, when you get out on the other side of this, when you don't have the financial pinch anymore, Hopefully some of us have learned, most of us have learned some pretty good lessons about ways that we can keep, keep up some of the better practices Yes, we find have positive benefits at the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all righty. This was fantastic, Karen. Uh, hopefully this was helpful for all those who, uh, don't talk about the, the financial situation within their marriage and, I, it's my it's my sincere hope that they they you know finish this podcast and and have one <laughs> and then continue <laughs> to have them on a on a somewhat ongoing basis you know just to kind of check in you don't have to do a full you know audit on yourself but you know it, you should you should know where things stand so um, thank you so much Karen it is always a pleasure that will do it for us this week so thank you so much for your time thank you Steve. My pleasure. Um, And before you go, I do want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also find it on our website, hitchedmag.com. Uh, where you will find not just all the podcasts, all 500 plus episodes. You will also find thousands of articles uh, on just basically everything you can think of when it comes to marriage. And we add more every day. Uh, And I always recommend signing up for our newsletter. It's free. It goes out once a week and it gives you the latest information that we put up on our website. So hopefully you check that out. And with that, we will see you in a week. Until next time, take care, everybody.